0: Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 48.
1: And to me, what I think advanced dancers need to remember is especially when you're a beginner, you're always withdrawing from that system. You're withdrawing your inspiration from other people. Once you get to an advanced level, you're now in a position that you have enough of this inspiration in yourself that you can start giving it to other people as well. And that doesn't mean that you have to dance with beginners all day every social like that that's not the intent here you're still your own person you still deserve to have dances that challenge you and make you happy but it's not going to hurt you at all to dance in a way that inspires these other people up you have so much richness in you at this point when you reach an advanced dancer status that giving away a little bit of it is nothing Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello,
0: hello everyone, this is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on fire podcast coming at you with another episode. And in this particular episode, we're bringing back one of my favorite guests to have Mrs. Laura Riva. If you don't know who Laura Riva is, she is a very talented writer and she's based out of Toronto. She teaches Zouk and we have many, many, many parallels um, when it comes to dance perspectives across many different areas of dance. Um, but as you guys have seen in the image for today's podcast, is going to be about advanced dancers and their super powers. How are you doing, Laura?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. I appreciate you making time out of your busy schedule to be with me and with us today so we can inspire some other dancers and kind of, I guess, fan the flames of this particular blog post that I read of yours um, to help other people kind of gain perspective on their growth, you know, and help, I guess, kind of facilitate a better dance scene. And this isn't limited to Kizoma or Zook or Sauce or anything like that. Just like partner dancing overall, you know?
1: Absolutely. Let's do it.
0: Um, can you share the story about what inspired the blog post? So our audience has a little bit of a perspective.
1: Well, most of my articles are inspired by things that either happen to me or around me. Um, And this one in particular was inspired by an advanced dancer who sometimes doesn't have the most open perspective towards beginners and newer dancers in terms of generosity. And there's actually a very open beginner in our scene um, who ended up having a conversation about that particular aspect of his personality with him and kind of opened his eyes a little bit to how his interactions were affecting some of the beginners who were quite scared of him.
0: That is awesome. Um, I've seen this, so I was reading the blog and I was like, man, I've seen this happen over and over and over again. It's kind of like, I don't know, just popping in a DVD and watching it play. Okay, this person's gonna get good and then it's gonna go to their ego and then, how they are treating beginners and things like that is It's kind of that same thing over and over again. Um, can you go ahead and explain to our audience a little bit what their, what it is the superpower of an advanced dancer? And maybe we should even define what it means to be an advanced dancer.
1: Well, to me, an advanced dancer is Relative. So in in a smaller scene, an advanced dancer might actually be an intermediate dancer. Um, in a larger scene, it might be a professional level dancer. So it's relative to the people around them. And most of the time, if you've been dancing for any length of time, you will be more advanced than someone. And to the people who are less advanced than you, they will consider you an advanced dancer, even if technically you're not the most advanced dancer in the room or in the genre. Um, but anytime that you're in this position of being a stronger dancer than other people, you now have the ability to inspire up people or to demotivate them, or in some cases even remain neutral. So the superpower is this ability that a more advanced dancer has to lift the spirits and the passion and the engagement of newer or less experienced dancers to engage more fully in the community and dance style.
2: A
0: Lovely, lovely, lovely response. Couldn't have said it better myself, but I love how you first started off with like how everything is relative, relative to the size, because I'm pretty sure you've seen many, many dancers in a lot of different dance scenes to where they don't even travel that much, you know, and they're maybe the advanced dancer of their small pool of their small local scene. And they get such a huge ego about it. But the, yet they haven't danced their dance out of their city or out of their state, you know, to kind of go train or take workshops or private lessons or anything like that. It's really interesting how some people you see when they first start up, they have a certain ego. But then when an outside instructor comes or a better dancer comes with something like that, it kind of helps them kind of, I guess, gain the proper realistic perspective of their skill, you know? So like, yes, she may be one of the better dancers of your small local scene, but there's still a lot of growth to have, you know? So it's I really I really love that you mentioned that it's relative because I think if people had the a view of the full spectrum of like, okay, here are the international superstars and here's where you're at in your local scene then it kind of puts things in perspective to not have an ego just because you're a couple of steps above somebody else you know
1: absolutely and i just want to clarify one uh thing about the relationship between ego and inspiration you can have very for lack of a better word egotistical dancers who are still very inspirational and kind to beginners and you can have people with no ego who are also demotivating to beginners. So it's not just the idea of whether or not you feel full of yourself in your own dancing, it's about your generosity with other people. And there's people who think much more highly of their dancing than what their actual level would be. And they might be people who are a nightmare to try to teach in a class because they think they know everything. But sometimes those are people who don't mind taking the beginners out on the floor and showing them steps all night because they have this confidence in their dance, mm-hmm. they want to show their, their proficiency. By contrast, you can have people who don't think they're a very good dancer, but who have no desire and no wish to share what they know with people who are less than in terms of their dance ability, quote unquote, and will always be striving to dance up with people who they want to challenge and that they want to live up to. So it goes both ways it's not necessarily the same thing as having an ego
0: i'm very glad for that clarification um i think it's really important to understand the the generosity of the dancing and, and for the beginners and i think it's really really important before we get into the, the rest of the block here is that an advanced dancer didn't get there by themselves you know at one time they were a a young grasshopper, if you will, and there was an advanced dancer above them that helped them get to that stage. You can't become an advanced dancer unless you're doing hip hop or solo dance or something like that. But if you're in a partner dance, you definitely need help from more advanced dancers, you know. So for them to utilize the skill and the help and the teachings and the lessons of other people to get to a certain position and then lose that perspective is, is really interesting. You know.
1: It's very hard to remember where you started when you come a long way in something. And I think I see this a lot as well with people who invest really highly in a dance. So when when we get really enraptured in a dance style, we tend to feel like everybody else should be just as passionate about this same thing as we are. And what I think a lot of us forget is that beginners are very, very rarely going to be as passionate about this dance as we are and expecting them to try it on their very first day where they can barely do like the basic steps and be like, this is changing my life. This is amazing. This is fantastic. It's unreasonable. they, they, They haven't had a chance to fall in love yet. And the difference between them falling in love and not is very often how those advanced dancers who actually have already fallen in love react to their presence and react to their newness to the scene.
0: Definitely, definitely, definitely. In your blog, you put it um, in a really nice section called Waiting to be Inspired, you know? And I like how you made the correlation with relationships, you know? If you first meet somebody, you're not going to want to get married right away, you know? You have to kind of get to know them first, and you might like it, you know, but you're not And you might like them enough for a date, you know, but you're not going to invest all of this time right off the bat, right from the beginning. You know, you need time to kind of grow into that uh, love for the dance, as you mentioned before.
1: Absolutely. And like, it's really it's down to those advanced dancers who have already found that love to inspire other people up to that level. And like that's that's this idea that a lot of us go to dance. And when we start, we're waiting to be fulfilled. We're waiting to be inspired. We're, we're waiting for other people to give us things. And to me, what I think advanced dancers need to remember is, especially when you're a beginner, you're always withdrawing from that system. You're withdrawing your inspiration from other people. Once you get to an advanced level, you're now in a position that you have enough of this inspiration in yourself that you can start giving it to other people as well. And that doesn't mean that you have to dance with beginners all day every social like that that's not the intent here you're still your own person you still deserve to have dances that challenge you and make you happy but it's not going to hurt you at all to dance in a way that inspires these other people up you have so much richness in you at this point when you reach an advanced dancer status that giving away a little bit of it is nothing
0: definitely and in the next section of the blog, you talked about the the superpower, you mentioned it before here with this podcast, it's like we have the superpower to help people or make people fall in love with the dance from the skill, from the, and it's, I guess it's just a payoff of the investment that you, of the time that you put into the dance and the energy that you put into the dance. And now I love the way you say, it. have you been, you've been withdrawing from the, that source of, of knowledge, you know, and now when you have your fill now, it's time to, to give and pass it on to the other person. You know, I think one key thing to really realize here is is self-awareness, you know, and you mentioned before, it's difficult to kind of realize where you have come from. But um, if you think about it in life, sometimes sometimes in life, like we're really, really beating ourselves up sometimes because we haven't gotten that next goal that we're looking for. And in fitness or in finance or whatever goals that you may be setting for yourself But sometimes we just forget to look over our shoulders, you know, and really take a look and see How far we've come, you know, you might have your own place You might have your own car some something like that You're just looking to get a new car or something like that But hey, like six seven years ago, you didn't even have a car, you know, so it really just helps put things in perspective and I guess it kind of almost invokes a feeling of, of gratitude of the of the progress that you've made thus far and give yourself a little bit of grace moving forward, you know, like step by step, little by little, you'll get there, you know, but you can't lose sight of all the progress that you've made from the beginning. And it just takes a little bit of self-awareness and self-reflection to kind of help that out, you know?
1: Absolutely. And there's, there's a reason too why I used the allegory of a superpower for this particular article. And you touched a little bit on it with what you just said one thing that i hear a lot of is this idea of expectations that advanced dancers feel expected and obligated to give back well the thing is you're not obligated it's not a requirement so you can have a superpower and you can choose not to use it you can choose to keep it to yourself you can choose to not let anyone know that you have it you can choose to use it for your own self-interests only and that's okay. It's not immoral. It's not bad. It doesn't make you a bad person. But when you do have a superpower, if you are willing to share it outside of your own interests and to find happiness in doing good things for others, you end up contributing exponentially more to your scene and your own community's growth and also to the respect and the kindness that you get back to the community if you never give out people will barely recognize that you exist they may know that you're a good dancer they may be scared of you they may pass you and not say hi but if you become that person who's constantly giving you will attain a recognition and a reputation that goes along with that that almost makes you in some ways like a superhero of the community
0: mm-hmm. so bringing back the the withdrawal that they've been taking from the dance scene through lessons and learning and things like that in your local scene you you're reaching a certain tier you know where you're okay you're an advanced dancer you know and in the article, in the Superpower section, you bring up the international artists, you know, so not only are you an advanced dancer in most local cities, but now like even at an international scale or a global scale, you're in the top rung. So imagine how big that um, source that they withdraw from it, and imagine how much they're able to give back, you know. And I love the, the one section where it says, and it's the reason why international artists can inspire so many. They get to see it. they get to let us see the best of the dance and attract people to that dance. Um, and so they get to inspire so many people just because they have so much to give through their superpower. But like you said before, they have to choose whether or not to, to share that superpower or keep it for themselves or not use it at all. I really like the allegory that you used. When these international artists come to the festival and the artist is on the flyer of the festival buy your pass buy your ticket and we want somebody to. Put down money for the flight put down money for the hotel put down money for the full pass um, invest their time and weekend and energy to come and see these people that are on the flyer for the festival, their expectation is like they're coming, looking for some inspiration. They're coming, looking for a positive experience. They're coming, looking for some quality time, even if it's just a social dance with a person. They're looking for some kind of experience with the people that they see on those flyers. You know, so an artist comes to a festival and they're disengaged or they have a pity dance, like you said in, in the in the blog, it really does kind of burst that bubble of, of hope or expectation that they had for one of those positive experiences that you saw with these international artists that have such a powerful superpower. So yeah, we have to be careful that the, the expectations and experiences that we're giving to these beginners, you know.
1: Absolutely, and I'm I'm a little bit uh, in a different position on international artists, particularly wrote a blog that can be somewhat construed as the opposite angle to the oh you must inspire and you must promote um because international artists in most dance styles also have a very odd space that they occupy where it is their profession and It's not just an activity that they do. So the withdrawals that are being taken off of international artists for performances, for teaching, for privates and all of these things can leave them with less to give during a social dance than some just social dancers who are at an advanced level Mm -hmm. or some more local teachers. So for those artists, I don't really measure it in terms of are they dancing all night with everybody and does everybody get their five minutes of attention from this artist? It's not that. It's does this artist make the attempt to bridge and to inspire in some way from a a good place? And even if that means that they only have really an hour in them of social dancing, really give good dances, are they actually engaging with those people that they are able to dance with? Are they spending time in classes really engaging with people or are they just running through their class? Like, so it doesn't have to be only through social dancing that Mm -hmm. people inspire when it comes to international artists. They have so many other ways that they're already giving back. Um, So I would caution people away from. Having that expectation on international artists that they're going to be burning the floor all night in the same way that advanced dancers can inspire, if that makes sense.
0: So, yeah, I really like that you bring up that point because it is um, traveling so much, even with me now. Like, I don't think I've been home for three consecutive days since February or March and we're about to get into July now. Um, July is actually when I'm going to have some downtime leading up to the festival. But yes, it can be very demanding. Yes, you need the energy. Yes, the jet lag, all that kind of stuff, you know. So there's definitely a balance, you know. And there's a difference of like not engaging because you're tired and you need to recharge. So that way you can be prepared to give some more and not coming down to the social because you're drinking or you're too cool for school or anything like that, you know. So there's different motives that I've seen going to different festivals of why certain international artists choose to social dance or not social dance. So if you're actually resting, like there's obviously nothing wrong with rest, you need to rest for sure. Um but if you're notoriously known for not going down to the social dance floor at all, then that's a, a different a different issue, you know?
1: Absolutely. And there's there's like those those are two sister issues that aren't necessarily the same but they Mm -hmm. are similar and so it comes back to the idea of is what you're doing generous and so the artists that only keep themselves to themselves for whatever reason they're not being generous Mm -hmm. okay but at the same time we also have to be generous as social dancers back to the artists so there's there's some artists that for example would love to dance with beginners Um, But as I'm sure you know, usually beginners are not the people who are running up to them asking for a dance. For sure, They're hiding in a corner somewhere really afraid. And many of the artists who would be these people who would really inspire the beginners never can actually make it to them just because as soon as they enter the floor, they're immediately swarmed and you get these lineups of people who just want to dance with them. And I know, especially in Kizomba, you dance multiple songs with people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also in mind that one thing that we can do as social dancers is to be generous with giving the artists space to be generous. So that we're not just demanding a withdrawal from them that they may not have in them to give, or if they have another mission that they're on at that time, that we give them the space to do that.
0: Super, super, super important. So if you guys are listening, there's a lot of different perspectives and and, and positions from this. It's not really just a black and white thing. Um, there are a lot of factors. There are a lot of uh, things to take into considerations. And I love that you use the word generous. And once people have a, a, a better understanding of everything that goes into like being an international artist or being an organizer or promoter, things like that, it really, really helps. And I think the thing that's really important to realize if we want the dance scene to grow in whatever dance that you're in, like we need those beginners to become better dancers, you know, and that better dancer might become the next hot DJ, that beginner dancer might become the next instructor. That beginner dancer might become the next organizer. You know, like these people, everybody starts out as a beginner and then they find if they get really, really inspired and motivated, they might find a way to like add value to their scene or internationally and things like that, you know? And so I think we have to keep that big picture uh, in mind. It's like if we wanted to grow, we have to not only get new people and beginners in the door, then we have to get them hooked and then they have to continue to make that investment over and over again so they become better dancers, you know? Within reason, um, there's a lot of different things to take into consideration and nobody has a limited time and a limited energy, you know. But at the same time, this is how we grow our dancings into thriving dancings across your city, your state, your country or even worldwide, you know.
1: Yeah. And I think like once again, it comes down to on a personal level, what do you want? And I think if you ask most social dancers, they say they want to be generous. And they say that they want to grow their scene. They say that they want more dancers. And what I would encourage people to do is when you say these things that you want from your scene is ask yourself, are you actively contributing to that? Are you using the power that you have and the inspiration that you have to contribute back or not? And so some dancers, they may say, I want more people, I want more this, I want more that. But until you confront yourself with, am I actually spending two or three songs each social dancing with beginners? Am I talking to the new people so that they feel like they've made a human connection? Or am I avoiding these people just because, like, I want to have my good feelings for the week? It's fine if you are, but be realistic about it and open your eyes to reflect what you're actually doing. So if you're going to talk about wanting to to inspire more people, go out and do it. Use your superpower. Don't say the words and expect someone else to do the work.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Have you been looking to level up your Kizomba, but you don't have the local instructors to take you there? Are you looking for something concrete to practice with your Kizomba partner? Or are you looking for Kizomba lessons that you can take on your schedule and the comfort of your home? If you answered yes to any of these questions, look no further. learn to is what you need. Progressive, step-by-step lessons that you can take at your pace in the comfort of your home or anywhere with a solid internet connection on your PC, Mac, or any smartphone. New videos are added every month. You can try this awesome resource out 30 days free at learn slash podcast. After the 30 days free, it's only a low $15 per month. But again, the special offer for the Dance Your Heart on Fire listeners, 30 days free at learntokids.com slash podcast. You won't find this offer anywhere else. learntokids.com slash podcast. And now back to our show. Um, it's really interesting because in, in Kids Connection, which is one of my Facebook groups, um, you'll see it in the show notes. And and it's focused on Kizomba but we talk about dance overall as well. Um, I, I posed a question Um, Have you ever felt like giving up on Kizomba? If so, why? You know, and people were kind of uh, sharing their reasons and things like that, you know. And it's interesting because I read some comments and some comments were like, well, I they felt, I guess, drained from trying to create so much opportunity into into the scene for the dancers to kind of take advantage of and learn and things like that. And of course, people consume those, you know, but at the same time, I love it when you said you have to be self-aware if you want the scene to know to grow or if you want, if you see somebody that's putting on those events, it's really important to support your local scenes and, and, and support can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different ways, you know, through attendance or buying passes or sharing on social media all this kind of stuff or personal actions and things like that, you know, but it really does take a collective effort to help grow the scene within the capacity that you have, whatever you feel inspired to do. But um, like you're saying before, to say something that's actually put in the work behind it really, really, really helps that scene to grow. And it's interesting because as much as some people complain about their local scene, so it's like at least you have one to complain about, you know, if you want to put things into perspective. And I'm pretty sure this can go on a little different tangent, but people putting in the work behind to support their local scenes or to step up and things like that, when they have the time, when they have the resources and things like that, I think is super, super important. Um, and so the people, so it's not just one person that's like exhausting themselves trying to make everything happen, you know?
1: Absolutely. There's, there's no one who exists as an island, and everything that you do does have a ripple effect. Um, and if you're if you're someone who is like, "You know what? I really don't like dancing with novice dancers. I really don't want to dance with them. It makes me really grumpy, and I just don't have the the energy for that. Okay, that's fine. You don't even have to necessarily dance with a beginner to make their night. You can talk to them. You can do other things to support the scene, like working a door shift or like, helping contribute through DJing or promotion or mm-hmm. things like that. So if if your superpower, if your, your thing that you feel you can share is not inspiring others through dancing with them, but you say you love your scene, find another way that you can give back.
0: And it's interesting because... Your superpower exists in your dancing, you know, and your dancing needs beginners to be coming through and growing the dancing, you know, so if you don't, if we don't take care of these beginners, we don't show them a welcoming vibe and a safe place to come in and take m- mistakes or make mistakes and things like that. It's going to be super, super, super important, you know, um, a beginner has to muster up the courage to come into a class meet a bunch of strangers, you know, make mistakes in front of these strangers, feel awkward out of their body as they're learning the dances and things like that, um, basically get criticized, you know, a little bit, not in a, in a constructive way from the instructor, okay, fix this, fix that and stuff like that. So it's not, yes, it can be fun. Yes, it, be, it can be invigorating. Yes, it can be challenging, you know, but it's, Um, Definitely something out of their comfort zone, you know, um, to get them to that place, you know. So if you have this superpower, your superpower exists in your dancing. If that dancing disappears, then it's almost like, well, now you don't have any place to use your superpower, at least locally, you know. And that can definitely ripple effect to an international place, you know.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? I even... In my own history, the dances that I ended up sticking with had a very different acceptance of me than the ones that I didn't. Um, So going back to when I was a newbie dancer, I started in salsa. And the salsa scene locally was a very small one, um, but very nice and very kind and very open. And after a time, I got somewhat bored with it. So I started branching out and trying a few different styles because I wanted to get like some new experiences and things like that. And I tried a few different scenes. And the scenes that I stuck with are directly related not just to the dance itself, but how people treated me in those scenes when I entered. And for example, there was one scene that I entered um where i was not very openly welcomed i was coming from salsa and they thought that salsa was trashy and so that i was trashy i'm not i'm not joking this is actually a thing that happened oh, wow. and i was turned off of an entire dance genre just because people were giving me side eye for being too quote unquote sexy for the genre and which is hysterical because in Latin dances, I'm not considered at all on the sexy end of the spectrum when it comes to how I dance. Um, <laughs> so that, that's, never, that's never the word that people used to describe my, my Latin dancing. But when mm-hmm. I went to this other genre, that's, that's the impulse that they got. And I was somewhat unwelcome because of it. Um, and in comparison, the dances that I stuck with uh, most notably, Zouk. As soon as I walked downstairs, I knew nothing about the dance. Um, it was probably the most unnatural dance for me to learn because my body was just not programmed for it at all. It was completely unfamiliar to me. Um, but the people were so determined to suck new people in mm-hmm. that they never wanted you go. And that makes a huge impression on a beginner when you feel... Wanted the whole night Even if there's only eight dancers in the room, which I think is what it was when I started It was like, oh my god, it's a new person. And so the entire night is just constant positive feedback You don't even know what the dance really looks like yet. Mm-hmm. All you know is oh, it's cool. and we're moving but it's that, that Reason that I ended up sticking with The dance it's not because I fell in love with Zook at first sight
2: It's because of how the
1: community welcomed me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm teaching and I'm organizing, doing all of these other things. And it could have very easily been in a completely unrelated dance.
0: For sure, for sure. Yeah. And you never know what that beginner is going to be inspired if he stays around and how how he's gonna show up in the scene, you know? So I think it's really important to take that into consideration. Um, And to have a community that's not welcoming. I mean, you have to realize that people, Instead of coming to drop $10, $15 on a weekly class, like people can go to the movies every week, you know, and get entertained, you know, it's not, people aren't obligated to dance. Uh, People are dancing by choice. People are dancing because they want to have fun. People are dancing because they want to meet people, you know, they want to feel good. Um, So it's important for us to not forget those, those positive feelings that we have to invoke in people, you know, outside of the dance skills and the technique and things like that, people have to feel welcomed, they have to feel safe to make mistakes, to learn and things like that, you know? And like you said before, the beginning, like people are waiting to feel a little bit of, of inspiration.
1: Yeah, the beginners, especially it's 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 so easy for anyone who's been dancing more than a couple months to make a beginner feel amazing. It's so incredibly easy. Like I know at our Congress, we had this this elderly gentleman. He must have probably been, I don't know, eighty five and brand new to zoom and he was very new i mean you don't you don't expect someone at 85 to be able to come in and keep up with 20 year olds it's mm-hmm. not what you expect but he was so full of joy and you really didn't have to do anything to make him happy at the end of the dance you just had to smile and move with him and like he was, he was basically doing a merengue, not even like Zouk, in uh-huh. a lot of the steps that he was doing, but all you had to do was step with him, and it made his night. It took zero dance proficiency, zero skill, and zero effort. It was just being kind. I love it. And that's what you can do with virtually any beginner
2: the door.
0: Definitely, definitely. All right, Lauren. It's about that time. Um, I really appreciate your perspective. I like your stories. I like your allegories. Um, I think I've told you multiple times that I'm in love with your dance brain. Um, I'll go ahead and say that publicly (laughs) for the record. Um, But um, I really appreciate you taking out your time for the podcast and sharing another one of your beautiful blogs. Um, I love talking about it on the podcast. Like reading about it is by yourself is one thing, and then s- speaking with you, who wrote it, is a whole different perspective. Um, and I like it. And I hope it fans the flames of your blog post. Will will definitely include the link of the blog um, in the show notes of the podcast. And Lord, do you have any parting words for our beautiful dancers out there?
1: No, just keep dancing and thank you so much uh, for having me back on the podcast. It's always lots of fun.
0: Yeah, I know it's been tough with the with the scheduling, but we're gonna we're gonna get get back in in the routine.
1: But well, I think that's mostly my fault anyway. <laughs>
0: no, i been i been I mean, I think you had your event for Zoop, yeah, the what's the name of your event? The Canada Zoop Congress?
1: Canada Zoop Congress.
0: Um, and I have my festival coming up next month. Yeah, Canada Zook Congress. Um, we'll put a link for that in the show notes as well if you guys want to check out that. Um, when's the next one,
1: Lauren? It'll be next May. Um, we do have also a beginner track uh, that's a progressive track that actually immerses you in Zook and it has guided practicas and it's, uh, I think it's a three to one teaching assistant to student ratio. So if there's any brand new baby Zookers out there, uh, you can come get your, get your Zook on.
0: Can you repeat that again about the ratio? Because that really piqued my interest.
1: Uh, so the way that we've structured the program, there's about a three-to-one ratio of new students to teaching assistants and teachers in the class. Um, so the, in every class, there's at least uh, 10 people who are already Zook dancers who are there assisting the teachers um, and they're in the practicas to dance with people who are new
0: what that is fucking awesome i was gonna hold back my fucking but this is my fucking pocket so uh, <laughs> that is really really awesome um we're gonna talk more about that that's really awesome i've seen this in Tango actually where they had like apprentices that were helping out with the people but three to one that's really 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 awesome you know because that way you give as much almost individual feedback to each beginner student as possible that's really Absolutely. awesome Um, that's probably going to be another podcast in the future. But um, thank you so much for your time, Laura. We won't get off on another tangent. Um, To the beautiful dancers and listeners out there, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you guys in the next podcast. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.